Welcome to Solving the Financial Puzzle, where every week we discuss the latest issues surrounding the complicated world of personal finance. Each week, join Walter Storholt and certified financial planner Dan Capril as they help you put together the pieces of your own financial puzzle. And for more information on today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. It's time for another Solving the Financial Puzzle podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Dan Capril. He's the certified financial planner and wealth coach for you in Cincinnati and the surrounding communities. Offices in Cincy, Beaver Creek, Northern Kentucky as well. Dan's the president of Matson and Capril, and you can find him online at quizdan.com. Again, that's quizdan.com, or you can call 513-563-PLAN to get in touch. Again, 513-563-PLAN. You know, Dan, a lot of advisors and investors fall victim to fuzzy math when it comes to their retirement planning. What do we mean by fuzzy math in a couple of these different scenarios I'm going to kind of throw out at you? Why is it okay. fuzzy math is, is what I'm seeking here. Okay. Um, I, I've heard this said before, and I'm sure you've had many people come into the office and, and kind of express this to you. The mutual funds I'm currently invested in have averaged 7% annual growth for the past five years. I'm perfectly happy with that return throughout my retirement. Yeah, and actually it's a, a logical conclusion that if you got 7%, that would be happy. But the problem is, is it's really not as much of a math problem. It's just a fact of failing to address the facts of life. And that is that the return that you got over the last five years has absolutely no effect on the return you're going to get the next five years. And in fact, depending on how markets have done as a whole, you may have underperformed at 7%. I mean, keep this in mind. Most mutual funds, not all, but most, are what we call actively managed funds, meaning that they are trying to buy and sell stocks in an attempt to outperform certain market averages. In most years, 80% of all funds come in below the market average that they're mm -hmm. trying to beat. And the 20% who do succeed, it's a different 20% almost each and every year. So there is no consistency there. But again, yeah, look, if you could find the investment out there that could pay you 7% every year guaranteed in a low inflationary environment, go for it. Run and get that investment. I personally don't know what that investment is. I've never seen it because, quite frankly, it doesn't exist. Certainly, there have been some over periods of time that have done it, but it doesn't last and they're often not guaranteed. So just be very careful in interpolating last year's results or the last five years' results into this year's. Now, also keep this in mind. Average means, in this case, you added up the last five years and you divided it by five. But there might have been some years in those five where you lost money, where you had negative rates of return. In fact, it may just be that the return of the fifth year is what got you there. Now, why is that a problem? Well, it's, it may not be a problem during the accumulation stage in life, but it's a huge problem during the retirement stage in life. Because when you are retired and you are, in essence, taking income from your portfolio, you are, in, in reality, selling a piece of your portfolio every month to give yourself that check. Now, if you have a negative return, you have to sell more shares during those years to get the same size check. Even though markets may rebound, those extra shares that you sold, they're gone. They're never coming back. So it's actually quite possible to average, say, 7%, only pull out 4% a year and still run out of money 
if those negative years mm. occurred early enough in your retirement. Wow. So we kind of, you know, I like to call it the math of retirement. It's different than the math of accumulation. So consistency return becomes far more important. So just keep that in mind. Try not to make um, the mistake that's so easy to make, which is what has recently occurred is going to carry over into the future. It doesn't work that way. There, you know, there are some things in life where maybe it does, but investments, no. Why? Because investments follow news, and there's nothing more unpredictable than news. We see examples of that every single week. You're certainly yeah. right. A uh, good example of how fuzzy math sometimes enters the equation. Here's another example. It has to do with Social Security. I'm sure you've heard this said before from folks in the office. It's definitely best to wait until I'm 70 to start collecting Social Security. That way I can get the biggest monthly amount possible. Makes sense. It's technically, I guess, not a wrong answer, but there's yeah. some fuzzy background math happening. Well, you have to consider some other things. All right, so let's let's first go over the rules. Every year you wait, you know, you can start collecting Social Security at age 62. Every year you wait to collect it, your check will grow by 8%, and that will stop at age 70. Once you're at age 70, it will only grow for inflationary increases. But every year you wait, the check will come. All right, now understand this. If I start collecting at 62, I am going to get less money than if I wait to 70, but I'm going to pick up eight years of checks that I normally wouldn't have gotten. So it's gonna take a number of years before I actually quote unquote lose money on that proposition. Also, you have to live on something. Now, if you're gonna to continue to work and your wage income meets all your needs, I'm with you, go ahead, defer it if you want. But if you're going to retire anyway, and you're gonna to have to tap into your savings instead of utilizing your social security, in most cases, I recommend against that idea. Because you can't leave your Social Security, in most cases, to anybody. There is no real inheritance factor. I'm assuming you don't have any young children or anything like that. Even your spouse, the most he or she can do is take the higher of the two checks when you die. So I'm of the mindset that I would rather you spend Uncle Sam's money. Well, in actuality, it is your money. But you don't get it. Your estate won't get it, in most cases, if you die. But the rest of your money, well, you can leave that to whomever that you want. The other thing, of course, is we don't know how long we're going to live. So, yeah, if I wait till 70, it might take me till age 80 to where I actually come out ahead because I didn't get those eight years of checks. Well, maybe I'll get to age 80. Maybe I won't. Who knows? So we have to be somewhat realistic about what's at play here. But it really comes down to, in the end, well, what are you going to live on if you don't take the social security benefit, will it affect at all? Now you may have a pension that meets all your needs. You may be continuing to work, great. But if you're gonna have to start tapping into your savings because you're not getting the social security check now, just look at that very carefully. Because again, you may want to do something with your nest egg in terms of how it impacts your heirs, loved ones, charities, whatever the case might be. Really good points. Again, Social Security, there's going to be some different moving parts and things to be aware of there that if you look at it from one angle, yeah, it might sound like a truthful statement, but there are other things to consider. And that's a common thread through a lot yeah, of these funny always, math situations. It always depends. And that's why I get frustrated when people get together socially and start comparing their financial strategies. It's like comparing your medication and mm -hmm. then wondering what, what your doctor's doing wrong. With the right. other. Well, no, your doctor's probably not doing anything wrong. It's just that your situation is different. 
So, you know, money and medicine are two things you shouldn't talk about in social environment anyway, but it just seems like it always comes out. We can all identify with those two things, right? Guess, we all have yeah. something wrong with us, and uh, <laughs> we all have money that we have to talk about or complain about or some things like yeah, that. Yeah, but here's the reality, <laughs> and seriously, I know this may sound harsh, but and you're a good friend, Walter, but, you know, if you certainly if you had a major injury, like when you hurt your knee, I'd want to hear about it. But I really don't care to hear about your cholesterol count or anything <laughs> like that. You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> Says the guy who commonly talks about his battle with diabetes and uh, his blood, I only use that as his a blood sugar levels and all this. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I'm going to keep that in mind. You, you, you are right. There are certain lines yeah. that don't need to be crossed when we're talking Absolutely. about our medical things. Yeah, Absolutely not. That's very true. <laughs> uh, if we're talking about fuzzy math, I think we've certainly got to talk about income and this is kind of a, a funny statement when you hear this. I'm I'm currently saving for retirement, but I won't need to do that once I'm actually retired. So I won't need as much income in retirement as I do now. Where's the fuzzy math in that equation? Well, you know, first of all, the question is, how do you know that? I mean, have yeah. you really sat down and, and done the math? Um, believe it or not, the most challenging question I ever ask any pre-retiree is how much money do you need for retirement? You know, in terms of monthly income, they have no idea. It's kind of like asking someone in college, well, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? And they give you that blank stare. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, I can't tell you what your retirement income needs are. Only you can tell me that. Only you can sit down and look at where your money goes and where it needs to go every single month. So we have to start there. Now, it is quite possible that you won't need as much when you retire. Certainly, the gross income probably won't need to be as much, but the net income probably isn't going to be a whole lot different. You're still going to eat. You're still going to need housing. You're still going to need transportation. You're still going to need clothing. All right, maybe you won't spend quite as much for clothing, but you know, I, I don't know that to be the case. Also, let's understand this. If you plan this thing right, I'm assuming you're going to want to be active. You want to you know, maybe travel, go places, do things. Those things all cost money. So just don't underestimate. Also, don't underestimate the impact of inflation over time. The fact that you will have to spend more money in the future to get the same goods and services you have today. And it's unlikely that Social Security will ever keep up with real inflation. It certainly hasn't for a number of years. It's one way in which they, quote unquote, fix the system is to lower the inflationary increases every year. So you have to start off by doing uh, the work. And one of the exercises that we have our clients do is to have a little notebook where for, for a single month, you keep track of every expense that you have. Now, two things come from this. The first one is you, you become uh, very aware. I mean, you, you get real data that is very useful going forward. Actually, three things. The second thing you will find is how much money you spend on things you really don't need waste. And then the third thing that you're going to find is that you're going to, you're going to be spending less money as the month progresses. Because when you are actually recording every expense into a book, you're literally writing it in there yourself, you are keeping spending in the forefront of your consciousness. And you're in a way making little confessions to yourself on a daily basis. And when you're now making your fifth trip to Starbucks, when you know all you have to do is drive another three miles and you can make a cup of coffee at home, you will stop doing that too. I've actually had people tell me that I make them feel poor when they do that exercise. And I said, listen, I didn't tell you to not do anything differently. But because they were doing it, it affected them. So we have to know first where you are and then you're going to decide when the Social Security timing 
should be done. Now, on those lines, I should say that our office does have a great uh, Social Security timing report tool that we provide to people at no cost. So if you go to our website, uh, quizdan.com, and and, and uh, click on the button that says Quiz Dan and ask us for your free Social Security retirement report, we will send you that information. You can go on there and generate your own analysis that'll show you when might be the optimal time for you to collect your Social Security benefits. Yeah, again, that's quizdan.com, quizdan.com. Great place to go to get good resources. Click on the button that says Quiz Dan, and you can ask directly a question to Dan Capril and the team at Matson and Capril. And make sure you're avoiding making some of these fuzzy math choices. Let me do one more here, Dan. And you kind of alluded to this a little bit with the mutual fund discussion, but it's worth pointing out again. They say that I can take 4% out of my portfolio every year without running out of money. So if I just follow that rule, I'll be fine. The old 4% rule. Well, first of all, who is they? <laughs> the, the, that, that mythical they, right? They're, yeah, they, they. They they said the Patriots couldn't come back from a 28-3 to 3 <laughs> deficit, right? Or, or they said last year the Cavs weren't going to be able to come back from a 3-1 deficit. Right. So right. I don't know who, who they are, but... First of all, let, let's, let's understand what's at play here. Anytime you see a rule of thumb, please disregard it. Because a rule of thumb always has certain assumptions built into it, and I can almost promise you none of those assumptions apply exactly to you. Uh, to tell me that somebody 80 years old can withdraw, should withdraw the same rate as someone who's retiring at 50, no. I mean, it's, it, it just doesn't make sense. So it comes down to really... How long will my money last? Well, you know, if I, if I took all my money and I put it in a jar and I took out 4% every year, I would need to live more than 25 years in order to run out of money. So as long as I don't need to make any increases for inflation, and that set amount is the same, and let's say I'm 70 years old, that's a pretty fair bet, I think. But in truth, you might be able to take more. And maybe, depending on your age, you should take less. Again, it comes down to it depends. Be very careful about these things. Um, I have seen people settle for low withdrawal rates when, given their circumstances, they could have taken more. And I've seen other people get completely you know, out of whack, take them way too high. Hmm. It has to be customized to you, but it also has a lot to do with how you've got your money invested. If you've got your money sitting in 100% in cash and CDs, you are not gonna be able to get the same return and hence withdraw the same amount of money than if you have it in a very diversified portfolio. One is well positioned for growth and allowing you to take more, the other is not. So determining whether or not you have enough money for retirement is a complex mathematical equation. Uh, you don't want to just put it, your, your assumptions in a spreadsheet and then assume you're going to get the same rate of return every year. You really do have to run thousands upon thousands of simulations in order to get a feel if you're headed in the right direction. It does require a level of advanced statistics, the very same type of math that you learned in high school and you asked yourself, am I ever going to need this in my future? And the answer your teacher assured you was yes, but you still think that to today that he or she lied to you. No, that comes into play when you retire. And if you have never had that type of statistical analysis done on your savings, you need to do it. Otherwise, you're just kind of flying blind, hoping that you get it right. Now, we'll be more than happy to share with you what's involved in that type of a study. 
It's all part of our wealth coaching program that looks at your entire financial picture. So if that's the type of thing you'd like to learn a little bit more about, feel free to give my office a call, 513-563-PLAN. That's 513-563-7526. Or you can just email me, dan at matsonandcapril.com, or go to quizdan.com and click on the button that says Quiz Dan. Any of those ways work. We'll be more than happy to share with you some insights on, on how to do the math properly. Because all of these questions came about what's the, what are the mathematical assumptions I should be using to do it right? Was it Mark Twain says there are lies, damn lies, and statistics? Well, we want to make sure that you're using proper statistics to get yourself um, a plan that's going to work for you. And that's not going to leave you with a surprise when you're at the time of life when you have no desire to ever work again. So again... 513-563-7526 or give me an email, dan at matsonandcapril.com. Again, this is so important to make sure as you are putting together a proper financial plan that you're getting the right kind of guidance so that you're not having some of this fuzzy math enter into your portfolio, into the equations you're using. Dan can help walk you through all of these different things. His great team at Matson and Capril standing by. Reach out when it's convenient for you. You can find them again online, quizdan.com, or call the office 513-563-PLAN. 513-563-PLAN. That's another edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle in the Books. We'll talk to you again on the next podcast. Thanks for tuning in to Solving the Financial Puzzle. If you want to find out more about Dan Capril or about today's topic, visit matsonandcapril.com. And be sure to join us for the next edition of Solving the Financial Puzzle. Information provided on today's show is provided for information purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information has been obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Always consult with an investment, legal, or tax professional before taking any action. Dan Capril is an investment advisor representative of NPM Wealth Advisors and Capril Wealth Coaching, LLC. Both firms are registered investment advisors. To obtain a copy of Form ADV and a private policy statement for either firm, call 800-353-7923.